0: Babble. Babel. What comes to your mind? For most of us when we hear that term, because of our Sunday school training, we, we hear and we see in our mind this great tower being built up to heaven. You see, let me just tell them, Kevin and I learned something this week together. Uh, because I read and I asked if he had heard it, and he hadn't, so we kind of looked it up. Babel literally means gateway to God. So these folks in Babel were trying to build a tower as a as a way to get to God. These guys in Babel back in, uh, in Genesis, uh, probably led by a guy named Nimrod. We'll talk a little more about that next week. He probably took that term and called the area of Babylon. And since that time, the term Babylon has always been used as a symbol for godlessness and immorality and idolatry and even paganism. Let's make this a little personal, as I want to with this whole message this morning. The Tower of Babel was simply man's... First attempt to make his own way to God. To get to God on his own terms. It was the first. But it's never stopped. Today, I'll say to somebody, Sir, you going to heaven? I'm trying. That's the Babylonian way. You say, ma'am, are you going to heaven? Well, I'm doing my best. That's the Babylonian way. You see, the the truth is, is that we continue to try to build our own tower to God. Making our own rules. Doing it in our own strength, with our own effort. To be clear, the Babylonian way is us walking the broad way, following the one who leads us in the broad way, the one who would have you die with him or for him. That's the Babylonian way. The Bible way is for you and I to follow the one who died for us. Two stark ways. Jesus enumerate them so well. The Babylonian way, the Babel still haunts us today. Chapter 17 today is really about the one world church, the false church, and we'll talk about that in a second. But you see, I've entitled this Babylon fake news. Now, you might think this is going to be a political message, but it's not. In fact, if you want to know where fake news really began in the New Testament, it was when the soldiers left the tomb. They knew full well what had happened. They reported full well what had happened. And the people who didn't want uh, the the masses to follow Jesus said, here's the fake news. Tell them that somebody stole him, his body while you slept. You see, every time Satan gets a hold of something, he gives us fake news. Babylonian way, I spent so much time introducing this because the Babylonian way haunts us today. With people still trying to build their own way to the Father. There may be some people in this room that are trying to build your own way to God and it's just simply not going to work. Chapter 17 basically is talking about a one world church. Chapter 18 is basically talking about a one world government when we get to chapter 17, where we'll read in just a second, we find people on earth living in squalor, living living in a wasteland, sores on their skin, watered blood, rivers dried up. And if you go back in chapter 16, you'll discover that with one of the last vows, all of creation is... Is rumbling, thundering, lightning. The final vows are are bowls of God's judgment have been unleashed. The one world church, the one world government is now in control, leader, handpicked by Satan himself. So if you will, if you can, let's stand and let's get this chapter 17 in front of us. Then, John writes, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her. And those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. Then he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearl. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead were written a a name and mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things on the earth. Then... I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and is about to come up from the abyss to go to destruction. Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was, and is not, and is to come. This calls for a mind that has... Wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman is seated. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seven and is going to... Destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. They these will have these have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the lamb. But the Lamb will conquer them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Those with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. He also said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate The prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out His plan by having one purpose, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Do you see where we're headed? until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman you saw is the the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you today. And thank you for reminding us through our young people that you love us. We pray today that your message will permeate our being so that we so that we will know you in a perfect way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I want to make this as simple as possible. When I read this, with all the study I've done, I will just tell you when I look down, the ten horns you saw in verse 16, and the beast will hate the prostitute, that means that the government hates, hates the one-world church. You see, anytime the government and the church get in bed together, it's always a problem. I want just to kind of paint the picture today about, about this Babylon, this religious Babylon and, and her fake news. So first of all, I'm going, to just, I'm going to give you this. It's going to be very simple. I want to paint the picture, the picture for you. If you look back in verses 1 and 2, what you will discover is that one of the angels who had just poured out the vial, who had just come, this is what strikes me, had just come from the presence of Almighty God. Can you imagine what it's like to have come from the presence of Almighty God? Brother Kevin mentioned that. About Isaiah and Isaiah 6. And the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord his high and lifted up. Can you imagine that vision that he saw? and, And his train filled the temple. And he said, listen, he said, I am unworthy, I'm unclean, I'm undone. But not only me. All these folks I run with, they're just as bad as I am. You see, it's one thing to get into the presence of God. And this angel comes to John and he says... And the angel says, come, and I will show you some things. The first thing he shows, our word here is the judgment. The judgment of the notorious prostitute. Probably a better word for there is, I will show you the punishment. Now, this one world church is probably... The mother of all ecumenical movements. There are probably people in this room that unknowingly, unconsciously think, "Well, if we could just all get together." You know what the truth is? The only real fellowship that we can have one another is based on our belief system. And people will go, well, if "All of our denominations, Tim, could get together. It would be okay." Please listen. that may sound good, but not all not all denominations believe the book. You know who you find fellowship? We find fellowship with people who believe the book, know the book, live by the book, adhere to the book because the book is everything. You see what has happened is that they have they have collage so many things and compromise so many things. Now, I know this. I'm preaching to some people in this room quite likely. That's a hard pillow to swallow. Hard pill to swallow, not pillow. Hard pill to swallow. Because because the truth is, is that we just want everybody to get along, and I do too. But let me just tell you what it boils down to. For every denomination for every person, for every belief system. Here's, here's the deal. What do you do with Jesus? There are some people who say, oh yeah, Jesus is a good man. He's a great prophet. He's a great teacher. Jesus is the best of all. But let me just you what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus is the Son of God. Not only does the Bible say it, God says it at least twice in Scripture. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, the truth is, is that the compromise of this day is what's bringing the punishment about. The punishment will be in this end day. And he says, I will, I will show you the judgment. I will show you the punishment because when Jesus is not first in our lives, we have rejected the basis of it all. Cause and effect will be in place. We will be in place. When we reject Jesus, punishment comes. And I'm just going to say this to you. Jesus was pretty clear. Our top priority is to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to say that again. Our top priority is to seek first the kingdom of God. I challenge you to to check if that's what you seek first. If when it, when you're when you're confronted with a plethora of choices, what do you choose? First. When you're confronted with distractions, what do you choose first? He says, I will show you the punishment. Now, what, did, what does he say then? He says, I will show you the, huh, the punishment of the great notorious prostitute. Now, we have to spend some time talking about this notorious prostitute Because all that is, because of all that's said about the woman, and certainly this is symbolic in a lot of ways, but the verbiage in my Bible that says notorious prostitute has over the years replaced some harsher, more offensive designation. Great whore. We don't generally use terminologies like that inside the church because we consider that to be dirty. We consider that to be offensive, and some would even say it has no place here. Let me just give you a little personal observation. Is it in Bible? This is a Jerry Watts observation. If Jesus Christ lived today, he would probably fail sensitivity training. If we didn't crucify him for being righteous, we would probably crucify him or incarcerate him for his political incorrectness. Because Jesus called it like he saw it. He pulled no punches when he was on earth speaking to the religious zealots. Those people who spent their day in church and they treated people as inferior the Pharisees hated him for what he called them. Great whore or notorious prostitutes are nasty words for nasty troops, but the, but the, but the principle, the description, is accurate. And that notorious prostitute, that great whore, is none other than the one-world church, the false, the fake, the counterfeit system of beliefs. The true church, those made up that church made up of born again, redeemed, blood bought people, is seen as a pure virgin that is the bride of Christ. The One world church is seen as the great prostitute. I want you to think about prostitution for a second. Just think about it. That is, you take what is holy. And you sell it as unholy, and you sell it cheaply. We perceive a, we close our eyes, perceive a prostitute, and we can see that woman standing on a street corner, seductively dressed, looking for the next passerby who could be her next victim. Proverbs tells us much about. Those ladies and what they can do to woo you in. But I want you to think about this truth. Even for that prostitute. Her body was designed to be a temple of God. And she takes that temple and she sells it to a stranger for just a little bit of money. That can be a nasty picture, but that's also religious Babylon. The one world church, it's compromised, it's full of sin. We are designed as a church to be the bride of Christ. And anytime we take our lives, we take ourselves, we take our souls, we take anything we are and give it to somebody or something else, we have prostituted ourselves to unholy things. Why would we do that, Brother Jerry? Well, let me just tell you, sin is intoxicating. Sin is intoxicating. I mean, you've heard somebody speak who is intoxicated, and they're making an idiot out of their self. Hello? And you go, oh, that's not them. That's just the alcohol talking. You see, to be intoxicated is to be full of. To be full of. You're full of alcohol, so you alcohol talks. But here's what I want to ask you today, right at this point. What are you full of? What is it that overflows? Kids, young people, what is it that overflows from you when, when the pressures of school and the culture get to pushing in on you? Where is it that you fall? Where, what is it that comes out when you get squeezed? Adults, don't just point your bony fingers at these guys. What is it that, that happens when, you, when pressure comes in on you? That's what you're full of. That's what you're intoxicated with. The truth is, the Bible gives us illustration after illustration. I know he's sitting in heaven, and he really hates it every time somebody uses him. But I will go back to King David. King David's first sin was not lust for Bathsheba. King David's first sin was he simply was not where he belonged. He belonged on the battlefield with the other kings. And soon as he didn't do what he was supposed to do, Satan had an opening to intoxicate him. And when he saw Bathsheba from that porch window bathing, he became intoxicated and this man who the Bible says two times is a man after God's own heart. For one solid year, he wasn't himself. Because listen to me, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter if your name is David, Jerry, Melvin, Jimmy, Eric. It doesn't matter what your name is. When you're living in sin and open rebellion to God, your mind is not working Right? You will do things. I mean, be careful of saying, I would never. Looking at somebody's sin and going, I would never do that. You better be careful. Satan heard that. What are you intoxicated with? Because sin is intoxicating. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And listen, teenagers, it'll make you pay more than you want to pay. What are you full of? Are you full of the spirit? Are you full of bitterness? You're full of God? You're full of pride? The picture of Babylon with the prostitute. The second thing I'm just pointing out to you are what I'm calling the personages, which could be the people. When I, when I see this, it's an interesting segue. Verse 3 says, He carried me away in the Spirit. Now, now you, if you've been studying this with us, It should be interesting to you because in chapter 4, it says, And I was in the Spirit. And it never says he didn't get out of the Spirit. Chapter 4, he was caught up in the Spirit. And now he's in the Spirit, in the Spirit. You know what that tells me? I, I think we need to hear this today. It tells me, reminds me, that all of us, No matter who we are, how good we are, whether we're walking in the Spirit or not, that all of us at times need a fresh touch of God's Spirit. We don't get so good or in such a good place that we never need a Spirit. John evidently needed that fresh touch because now he's taken, he was in the Spirit and now he's taken away. Have you ever been in that place? Are you at that place today that you just need a fresh touch of God's spirit? You just need him to touch you one more time to remind you that he's there and you have access to it. Let's move forward. He says He carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness, and then it says, I saw a woman. Well, God just talking about a woman. The four women basically mentioned in Revelation, Jezebel, Israel, the prostitute, and the bride of Christ. Jezebel in chapter 2 is a representation of the apostate church, that is, the church that's fallen away. Israel is the woman who gives birth to a Savior. The prostitute that we spend a lot of time on is that final one-world false religion. And the bride is the redeemed, the cleansed, and the adorned bride of Christ. Verse 18 reminds us that that the one-world church has been moved to Jerusalem. This is a great false religion. I just, it tells us some things about this, and I'm just going to list them bullet points. They're not going to be up there. Is that it tells us, first of all, about her, pos- her prosperity in verse 4, where it talks about her being dressed in, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls. Then it tells us about her persecution. says, I saw down in verse 6, I saw a woman. I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. You see, the, the false church killed the saints and those who bore witness to Jesus. Then we see her perversion. You can move back to verse 4. She had a cup, a golden cup in her hand, and everything, and filled with everything detestable. There was nothing good. Then you can look down to verse 15 and 17. You can see her power. See the ten horns. This is a a monstrosity of a church. She's sitting on a scarlet beast. The prostitute, the, the one world church, is sitting on top of the one world government. The one world church is allowed to think that she is running the show. But the truth is, is that neither the beast, neither the government or the church trust each other. The beast is waiting to get rid of this woman. Because that's what happens when you get in bed with Satan, is that everybody's against everybody else. The only thing that holds this union together is this. They have one purpose. And you know what that purpose is? To defeat Jesus. They want to get together and just beat up on the people that Jesus, that Jesus loves. The seven heads that you see in verse 9 are on the seven mountains. There's a lot of symbolism there, but it it tells us those seven mountains. Talk to us about it. This is centered in Rome, but it also means that there were seven significant kings to come about. Let Let me just give this to you historically. Before John wrote, five of the kings had come along. Caesar, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, and Nero. At the time John wrote, Domitian was in control. And the one who is yet to come, this is who has been, who was, who is, and who is to come. The one who's yet to come is the Antichrist. The ten horns that you read here hear about are those ten toes that you read about In Daniel, the ten kings of the revived Roman Empire. And then it says that they will, that they will receive authority with the beast for one hour. That's not 60 minutes. An hour is a period of time. I just can I just remind you this way. When Jesus turned the water to wine, he told his mother. My hour has not yet come. My time has not yet come. In the garden, he told the disciples, My time has come. So I'm just I'm trying to move through this quickly so we're not here to 1 or 2 o'clock. The clock on the wall says 12.20, but I know it's actually 11.20 because I can tell that you guys got one extra hour of sleep last night, Okay? I just want to give a comment and then move along. The horns, the beast, the king, and the Antichrist will do what they do best during these days. They will use the one-world church as long as they have need of her. I mean, what better way is there to control people than with religion? You think back in my lifetime, not yours, mine. Jim Jones, David Koresh. They intoxicated their followers with this, with this false religion. It's kind of like a spell. But when the one world government is through with the one world church, they'll throw her under the bus, throw her away like last night's garbage. What you see the purpose of Babylon? I'm trying to make our way through here. The purpose of Babylon. Verse 13 tells us, that, that they have one purpose. And they pool their resources to achieve that purpose. And that purpose is to make war against the Lamb. Did you know that today the world is already making war against the Lamb? Many people who reject Jesus think they can beat Him. Think they can get the best of Him. Think they can get around him. And they're in for a shock. And somebody in here going, yeah, brother, you know, those folks outside the church, they're they're pretty bad. They're trying to get around Jesus. They're trying to reject Jesus. They're trying to resist Jesus. They, They decide the Bible's not true. They decide Jesus is not the Savior. They decide God is not God. And, and there are those like that outside the church, but listen to me. In the 20th century, there are people inside the church who've decided to make war with the lamb. There are people that go, you know, you know I know what the Bible says, but I know what I believe regardless of what the Bible says. What they're saying is, I know better, I know best. And you can't follow too close to the Bible because today's society is different. Those people, whether they know it or not, and if you're one, whether you know it or not, are making war with the Lamb. Aligned with Babylon. And aligning with the Babylon is a losing proposition. We make war with the Lamb any time we desire. Anytime we declare that we must have our own way. The purpose is to make war. I want to end with the problem. The problem. Here's the big problem. You've heard me talk about his purpose. The big problem is they can't overthrow the Lamb. How do you get any more simple of that? Babylon represents the flawed, fake, false church, and the Lamb is the real. At the revelation or the unveiling of the Lamb, He comes back and He brings back those with Him who have been called, those who are chosen, those who are faithful. The truth is is that, is that they will bring Babylon and all it represents to its knees. Satan will give his best effort. He's not going to give up easy. He's not going to walk away in the night, but his best isn't good enough. You know why? If you've not listened to anything else I've said, give me the next four to six, seven minutes. Here's why. Because God's redeemed have already one Nero tried to defeat it. Domitian tried to defeat it. Hitler tried to defeat him. It goes on and on and on and now they're preparing for the final assault and it won't matter because He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And do you know why? Because He is enduringly strong. He's entirely supreme. He is eternally steadfast. He's immortally faithful. He is empirically powerful. He is impartially merciful. The Pharisees. Couldn't stand him, but they couldn't stop him. Satan couldn't tempt him. Pilate couldn't fault him. Herod couldn't kill him. You can't run. You can't outsmart. You can't outmaneuver Jesus because you can try to decry him, dismiss him, deny him, defame him. You can resist him. You can run from Him, rebel against Him. You can reject Him. But He's still Jesus. He's the one who can save. He's the one who will save. He's the one who died for your sins. He is the only one that rose from the grave. And your only hope today is Jesus. It's Jesus. Whatever else you may hear today, please listen. We're unveiling Jesus. The message about the false church. The message about religion. Uh, By the way, we got deacons meeting this afternoon. They may do something about this. I hate religion. I hate religion. For me, this church is not about religion. This church is about Jesus. This church is about eternal life. This is church, it's not about the false and the fake, it's about the real. I hope your heart, I hope your life is about the real. Giving Him first place, the real deal. And if we give Him our all, heaven, hell, earth cannot stand against it. I ask you, in your life today... Did such a great job out Young people and Brother Eric and the music. Holy Spirit, you're welcomed here. If you're welcomed here, is He welcomed into your life? It's just, is this just a service that you came and decided, and Sunday's the day you go to church, so I'm going to church. Let me just say, you can't go to church. You cannot go to church. You can go to service, but you can't go to church because the church is not a place. The church is God's people. It's a living, breathing organism. Jesus working through us to impact those who are not here with us. But the only way that will happen is if we give Him first place in our lives. Does He have first place in your life? I have so many dreams for this well, this is a part of it, but I got a minute. I have so many dreams for us as a congregation. State the Mississippi Baptist Convention extended to us pastors the opportunity to go to South Dakota. You know, Pud's head of our missions committee. We talked about it. I signed up, cost us a very nominal fee. The state conventions is paying most of it. Leaving on Tuesday morning. Thanks, Pud. At about five fifteen. That means I got to get up really early. And you know what? We're we're going to uh, um, South Dakota because they don't have any churches there. I found out the brother Gary from uh, Bunker Hill. My buddy from Bunker Hills, going. And when he and I talked, we kind of got excited about. I didn't know he was going. He didn't know I was going. I'm kind of excited about two people from the same association because what they need up there is churches to be planted. Churches to be planted where people can find the Lord. Man, wouldn't it be great to get off this property and plant a church that impacts people for generations? And that would be South Dakota. Let's put it... At home. Wouldn't it be great if we got off this campus in Marion County and impacted people who hasn't been impacted by, by the Lord and it impacts them for generations. That's what he's calling us to do. Fake news is that you can outdo God. The real deal is that we're never stronger than when we're on our knees before Him and following Him. Let's pray together.